You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. I do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course, uh, with you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful, but not feeling it very much today, host Tim Tapp. And I'm coming to you from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And man, oh man, there's a lot to get to today, obviously. Uh, we have all been been playing very close attention to the ongoing situation that broke out yesterday, uh, today, time of the live broadcast being 
August the 9th, 2022. That's for the benefit of those of you listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio. And if you're listening to the podcast a few days later. But obviously this was yesterday. It happened at Mar-a-Lago. The FBI raiding Donald Trump's home and private club. And uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. I also have a conversation uh, that I need to air with you with Dr. Michael Bussler. Uh, he's, of course, the economics professor, and we were having some conversation about what it is exactly that the uh, the Fed is trying to do in raising interest rates and whether or not there is anything at all even remotely inflationary reducing in the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Uh, just a couple of items that we broached. So we'll be talking about that. Going to be talking a little bit, of course, about the situation that occurred in Mar-a-Lago. But before we dive into any of that, I wanted to do a quick hip, uh, follow-up for a conversation that we had back on Sunday. Uh, I was talking to you then about a city council in California, the city of San Clemente specifically. Uh, we were talking about the courage that they uh, had as they were looking to move forward with the resolution that would have turned their city into a sanctuary for life. Literally had that in, uh, in the resolution. Well, it turns out they got together on Saturday and the news didn't break until... Monday, that uh, the city council there had a special meeting this past Saturday, and they voted three to one to remove the resolution that would have made their city that sanctuary for life uh, from their agenda. Uh, basically, that happened as a response to opposition from council members and the community. Now, the uh, three-hour special meeting this past Saturday, it increased tensions between dozens of San Clemente residents and the city council, resulted in a vote to slash the pro-life resolution from the agenda altogether for the upcoming meeting. And, uh, you know, all but one of the city's five council members uh, happen to be Republican. So there you go. Uh, supposedly pro-life Republicans were moving forward, but then they crumpled under the pressure. And it is a shame that that is indeed the pressure that these folks are under. Now, when it comes to the raid, you've heard all types of discussion about it already, if you've been paying any attention to conservative media. But one of the most astounding things to me other than the fact that this, of course, is something that traditionally would have been handled through civil action, something that has almost never been pursued when it comes to Democrats violating the rules, and plenty of reaction from the left and the right in media where some of the folks either are trying to ignore it or they're actually taking a wait-and-see mentality, uh, folks like I don't know, Mitch McConnell, for example, who refused to comment about the FBI raid because he, of course, was in Kentucky, his home state, and uh, they've recently had flooding, and he was there to talk about the floods and talk about the recovery. Uh, obviously, that was 
I get you don't want to overshadow something that important, and it is important. Don't get me wrong. I love you guys. You're my neighbors to the north uh, in Kentucky because I'm here in Tennessee, and definitely devastating. But is that the appropriate response from the minority leader of the Senate, uh, given the nature of this situation? And and it's not even the whole kit and caboodle here because some other things have happened. The FBI has made moves against some other folks, too, even though they claim that this is all about uh, these these documents, supposed uh, classified documents, although they have admitted that they don't even know for sure if the documents that they went ahead and wrangled up and threw in boxes, if they were still classified or not. Because guess what? That's the president of the United States, which Donald Trump was at the time he took these documents with him. He may have and could have and has the legal authority to declassify any of those at any point in time. So they don't even know if any of these are actually still classified documents. And what makes it worse is even though he had been reluctant to return some of these documents back to the National Archives, he was cooperating with them uh, in this return once they made it clear that they were going to pursue civil court action. And that really should have been it. The amazing thing to me is that the White House is trying to tell us that uh, they didn't know anything about it. You want to tell me that the current Department of Justice bigwig, the uh, Supreme Court justice should have been, never will be, Merrick Garland, that he didn't get marching orders from somebody in the White House. I mean, maybe they didn't tell Joe, plausible deniability, or the fact he probably wouldn't remember anyway. Oh, you're going to carry it down to Florida, that's great, Give me, bring me some pudding. I mean, I, who knows how that conversation would have went. But to pretend like they weren't even briefed? We've got Garland telling us that that's the case. And we've got Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, the current press secretary, who is historic for all the historic reasons that are historically bad at her job. In fact, way in you know, over her head. Uh, say what you will about the previous one. Circle back uh, Jen Psaki. Uh, at least she was competent at what she was doing. Uh, even if it was infuriating or ridiculous. Now, I would like to remind the press secretaries that technically their job isn't to work for the president. It's to work for the people. They're just supposed to be telling us what it is that they're talking about. But, you know, I digress. Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre denied that the White House knew anything at all about the FBI raid uh, on former President Donald Trump's home uh, during a uh, press briefing that took place on Tuesday, that's today, time of the live broadcast, claiming that Joe Biden was not given any notice beforehand. I really, given the nature of what they were doing here, I don't know that anybody should believe that. And if you do, I ask you, how much attention to politics have you been paying? Now, the press secretary responded to a reporter's questions about the Monday raid by insisting that such investigations should be free from political influence. Yes, yes, they should. And I tend to think if this had been free of political influence, 
that it probably would have been handled the way these situations are always handled, which means the threat of civil action suddenly cooperating, there's no further action necessary unless the cooperation stops and then you pursue the civil side of this. Because otherwise, this is a horrific abuse of the uh, Presidential Document uh, Act in the first place. Yes, yes, we need to have all these saved for posterity. And, you know, I'm not against that, but, excuse me, this still falls into, you're going to say classified documents? I need to know why the same FBI that was all on board with Russian collusion and trying to prevent you from knowing jack squat about Hillary Clinton's emails and her private server, and nobody ever gave a reasonable explanation about how some of those missing emails just magically showed up on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Yeah, the same Anthony Weiner, the disgraced New York guy who was married to Hillary Clinton's chief lieutenant, you know, Miss Albedine. You know, they, they only ended up separating because uh, Anthony Weiner became uh, internationally known as Carlos Danger. At any rate, you've got that effort. Okay, squash to Hillary Clinton, clear violation of federal law and mishandling of classified information, and, and almost undoubtedly compromised. No, 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 man. She never intended for that. So that's okay, even though that is a crime that does not require intent. Whereas everything that they're just trying to say is criminal about what what Donald has done here does require intent, except for if you actually do mishandle classified documents. He took these documents, and they took other stuff, too. That, that's astounding all in of itself, but... Again, if this was free from political influence, there would have been no need to go in guns. Well, okay, I, I'm exaggerating a little hyperbole. It wasn't guns ablation. Evidently, most of these folks showed up in plain clothes. Evidently, most of the folks that were working at Mar-a-Lago thought they were all Secret Service agents at first as they were executing their search warrants, and it didn't become clear exactly what it was they were doing until it came time to start breaking into safes, which they did while Donald Trump was in New York. They didn't make an effort to contact Donald Trump's lawyers, although the lawyers did get there and they showed up and they were overseeing, not that they could have done much, but at least they were able to document what was going on. Asked if the White House is concerned about the appearance of an attack on another president, Jean-Pierre said that uh, Biden has been unequivocal in his beliefs in the rule of law. He refused to comment on any ongoing investigation from there. Well, you know what? That's great, because his unequivocal, unequivocal belief in the rule of law is that he doesn't believe in the rule of law. His family has a ridiculous amount of wealth that was raised from peddling his influence. This is the same FBI that we now have whistleblowers and, and full-blown reports that they intentionally tried to cover Hunter Biden's criminal activity and squashed uh, the laptop story from the beginning that they were heavily involved with this. There was so much evidence and proof right now that Joe Biden not only knew about these meetings, not only was the big guy who was getting 10% of all the business deals, but that he, Joe Biden, had multiple meetings with several of the Chinese partners 
of these businesses that Hunter was involved with. Meetings that took place in the White House. Logs that had been hidden, doctored, covered up, and it has become evidenced. We know it's true. So is it any wonder that so many people are so angry today? That there's so much of a divide in this country that we have so little confidence in the institutions that are supposed to be protecting us. They become agents of the Democratic Party, and not just the Democratic Party, but the worst, most uber-leftist, so-called progressive aspects of the party, that they're literally cheating off of uh, the KGB's uh, test results. You know, they're sitting here in class, they're taking a quiz, they're cheating off of there. Although I do have breaking news uh, straight from Twitter from U.S. Ministry of Truth, uh, after reviewing national, I'm sorry, after viewing national treasure, Biden has now officially ordered the FBI to raid the home of Nicolas Cage to go recover the Declaration of Independence. That's where we're at today. Is it any wonder that social media was abuzz with anybody that was just dead center or slightly right of center and further to the right from there with nothing but references to banana republics? Is it any wonder that we have no real liberty feeling belief left in us that we, we don't have a constitutionally restricted republic anymore. A federated constitutional republic does not behave like this. You do not just rule by the power of the gun. You don't just rule by the power of position. Well, this is my job and these people work for me. Guns, go get them. That's not how it's supposed to work in this country. We kept hearing the phrase, unprecedented to a ridiculous degree during the pandemic. Now we are seeing something that is truly unprecedented in American history. And the White House is denying any knowledge. Not that it's surprising, but uh, certainly not believable either. Are you concerned of the appearance? Well, clearly they're not concerned because they like it. A reporter also asked, and to Republicans who say this reeks of politics, Jean-Pierre then insisted that the White House learned just like the American public did yesterday, adding that, quote, and we did not have advance notice of this activity. I'm going to have to call bovine excrement on that particular statement. For all that's said and done, that's impossible to believe. Now, the White House press secretary also steadily refused to address Republicans' criticism of the incident or whether Attorney General Merrick Garland signed off on the raid. Uh, obviously, this is not a raid that could have occurred if one of these entities didn't sign off on it. How is it possible any other way? Uh, it's not. Although, do not be surprised when they continue to talk about the... Uh, level of plausible deniability. Nobody wants to take uh, responsibility for this one because they hope to avoid being targeted themselves later when the shoe is on the other foot. Problem is, guys, we, we're not living in that constitutionally federated republic that we're supposed to have. Now, we've known this for some time, but this could very well be that ultimate turning point where either A, 
true patriots of this nation stand up and deliver a resounding blow for liberty in the ballot box upcoming, or we just roll over and give up. And I don't know about you, but I want liberty to be passed down to my children and my grandchildren and their children. I have grandchildren now. I want them to grow up in an America that still remembers what liberty and freedom is like. I want it to be a country that they can be proud of. I want to return this nation back to the shining example of what America is supposed to be. And that is an example to the world of how liberty is and how respect for human rights is. And again, okay, there's uh, all these people, well, that's never been America, blah, blah, blah. Then move out. Go find a better place. I dare you. Good luck with that. And no, I really am hoping that you can find that better place. Because if you're not happy here, don't stay here. America is a place where it's built on principles, built on ideas that revolve around liberty and freedom. And yes, we have not always lived up to the promises of those principles. But the important thing is that we have worked hard to strive to achieve those principles. And we, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you want to believe at this particular moment in time, we have worked really, really hard to get there. And we kept getting closer and closer. We've come a long way together. Why throw it all away now when we are literally so very close? We've never been further away from it than we are at this moment. This is one of the most dangerous moments in American history. Because we are literally this far away from true fascism. We're already seeing social media trying to purge all conservatives from their platforms. We're already seeing a multitude of people that are doing nothing more than telling the truth. Not even expressing opinion. Just telling the truth. And being booted off of places like Twitter and YouTube for doing just that. We're seeing it because they want to get rid of all the opposition before the next election cycle. They don't want us holding up a mirror to them and their crazy, wacky, zany ways. The White House didn't know anything ahead of time. I ain't buying it. Neither should you. Merrick Garland signed off or not. You don't pull off a raid against somebody like Donald Trump former president of the United States, and current leading candidate to be the next nominee to run again. You don't do that without getting a lot of higher-ups signing off on it. It just doesn't happen. All right, we're going to go ahead and take the uh, mid-hour break a little early because I want to have plenty of time to air the entire conversation with Dr. Michael Bussler so that we can talk a little bit about the economy before all said and done. But stay with me if you're listening to the podcast, because hour number two will pick right up. And if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, be sure to tune in tomorrow at the same time, and uh, you'll get to hear hour number two then. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and take that break. And uh, as we do, we will also see if I can't uh, get done with just a little bit of time at the end uh, to, you know, comment a little more. So don't go anywhere. I will be right back after these very brief messages.
You're listening to Tap into the Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back better make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say. Stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just Could it be there is a Klaus Schwab school for Corona Chinavirus dictators and a great reset plot? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Economist Ernst Wolf believes that a hidden alliance of political and corporate leaders continue to exploit the scandemic with the aim of crashing national economies. Let's not forget, Mr. Schwab stated that he intends to make us poor and make us like it. But how else do you explain more than 190 nations from all over the planet ended up dealing with the pandemic in almost exactly the same manner, with lockdowns, mask mandates, and vaccination cards now being commonplace almost everywhere? The answer may lie in the Young Global Leaders School, which was established and managed by Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum, and that most of today's Today's prominent political and business leaders passed through there on their way to the top. I believed that if allowed, individuals like Klaus Schwab, every U.S. leftist Democrat, and of course rhinos and many more, will try to plunge we the people into utter, never-ending misery. But the globalists tend to forget that they are not God. Thus, it would be wise to seek the real God and secure liberty. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Break it down in layman's terms. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. In the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, this is Tom Caldwell, innocent January 6th defendant, and proud Navy veteran. You're listening to the Voice of Reasons.
It isn't just a dream, although I wish it was just a nightmare. Hey, before we get back to the action and have that conversation with Dr. Michael Bushler, I want to remind everybody that My Patriot Supply has been helping people be self-reliant longer than anybody else in the business. And in order to truly enjoy the blessings of individual liberty, you have to practice individual responsibility. And part of that is being self-reliant. Nobody's been helping you more there. I'm going to put a link in the show description that will take you directly to the MRE case pack with heaters 12 mils uh, page over at my patriot supply when you really need to eat and have no way of getting to the grocery store or worse than that their shelves are empty have on hand what the military has trusted for generations because it takes a lot to keep our fighting men and women on their feet these mills do not skimp on calories you get 12 mils in each case and every meal pack has 1100 to 1300 calories that means that you only need two meals to get through the day and Flameless meal heaters are also included. All the MRE meals are made in the USA by facilities that are USDA and FDA approved. So get on to it right there. Follow the link in the show description. Uh, get your MREs today or while you're there, check out other things at My Patriot Supply. And if you're listening on terrestrial radio, for some reason you can't uh, follow the link there, just visit me at Tap Into the Truth. Dot com, that's C-A-P-P, into the truth.com a little bit later when you get a chance. Scroll down past the recent guest and uh, click on the My Patriot Supply uh, banner. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. It is my honor and privilege to once again welcome back to the show Dr. Michael Bussler. He is, of course, a public policy analyst as well as a professor of finance at Stockton University, where he's teaching both undergraduates and graduate classes in finance and economics. You have undoubtedly, if you read anything at all about economics, seen one of his many columns. He's been writing op-eds for major newspapers across the country for better than 35 years. He is, of course, a featured columnist at such great uh, publications as Newsmax, The Hill, The Western Journal, and townhall.com, just to name a few. Uh, first of all, Dr. Bustler, thanks again for joining us. As always, it's a, an honor to have you on with us. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you for those very kind uh, words in the beginning. Uh, thanks for having me. As you know, it's always my pleasure to be here and uh, always uh, a pleasure to chat with you. All right. Now, it's been way too long since we've gotten together, quite honestly, uh, uh, Doctor. I have always enjoyed our conversations, and I have a great admiration for somebody that takes the time to try to uh, teach finance, especially in the age of modern monetary theory. Uh, Some pretty scary stuff. Um, I want to take some some more layman uh, terminology and let your expertise play into answering these. So uh, let's kind of start mm-hmm. off with the fact that the Federal Reserve, they've raised their key short-term rate by another mm-hmm. three-quarters of a percent for the second straight month. Now, like I said, for, in layperson terms, what does that really mean and how does that affect the economy? Okay, so what it means is uh, all interest rates will, will rise as a result of that. Um, they're likely to get more aggressive as the year goes on um, and raise interest rates probably three or four more times. I don't think three quarters of a point each time, but 
significant amount. We do have a severe inflation uh, problem, and the only way to get rid of it, the government believes, is through this uh, tighter mon- monetary policy. You know, you, you may ask yourself, what, why is it that we have all this inflation, and why is it that the uh, Federal Reserve has to suddenly get so aggressive all of you know, last year, uh, they were very accommodating. They kept interest rates near near zero. Um, <clears throat> so what what happened was, um, uh, in uh, in order to keep the inflation rate down, as they've done for the last uh, you know thirty forty years, um, the Federal Reserve makes sure the money supply doesn't grow too rapidly. Um, <clears throat> And they can can control uh, how much total demand there is in the economy somewhat uh, by controlling interest rates. So um, what they normally do when there are signs of inflation, uh, the Federal Reserve tries to stay ahead of that and says, well, before we this inflation really turns out to be a problem, <clears throat> we're going to raise interest rates a little bit, take some demand out of the uh, economy and how do they do that? Um, so when they raise interest rates, uh, interest rate sensitive products like cars and houses uh, be- and credit become very expensive. So people uh, use less of it and it takes the, the, some demand out of the um, economy. Uh, so they, the Federal Reserve tries to stay ahead of inflation. <clears throat> now, the, they were about a year late reacting. Um, So why do I say that? Um, The best measure of inflation uh, at the consumer level is the consumer price index. It typically goes up by one-tenth or two-tenths of a percent a month. Uh, So it averages about 2% a year as it did before the uh, pandemic. In January of 2021, the CPI went up three-tenths of a percent. February, it went up four-tenths of a percent, March, six-tenths of a percent, April, eight-tenths of a percent. Clearly, we had an inflationary problem building. Normally, the Federal Reserve would start uh, reacting to that. Um, And again, they try to stay ahead of the problem. So as soon as it looks like there's a problem, they would react to that. For some reason, uh, they said, um, don't worry about the inflation. It's only temporary. Um, they use the word transitory. Uh, so it'll go away all by itself. Uh, so they kept interest rates near zero and kept the bond buying program, which stimulates growth in the money supply, uh, really for about a year. Um, they didn't raise interest rates until March of 2022 of this year. By then, the inflation problem had gotten uh, very serious. You know, inflation's up over 9% now probably soften a little bit in the next couple of months before it goes up again, I think, in the in the fall. But by, by then, the um, inflation problem <clears throat> had gotten very severe, so they have to act uh, very drastically to try to get that inflation rate down, and they do it by raising the interest rates, um, and that's why they're likely to keep doing that for the rest of the year. Right. 
All right. Well, we've obviously heard from folks like Janet Yellen. We heard from Jerome Powell, who's the current Fed chair. And, and they were some of the people that were up front and telling us that uh, there's nothing to be concerned about. We don't have to start raising rates. And as you pointed out, there were plenty of warning signs that would be there under normal conditions you would have expected them to move. Uh, was this, do you think, and obviously this would be a matter of opinion, but I take your opinion uh, in this particular field a little bit, uh, well, I think it means more than mine because I'm not a uh, economist. <laughs> so uh, was this something where maybe they were overplaying the a uh, strange situation where we were coming out of the pandemic, where businesses were opening back up, where we uh, did have uh, low levels of unemployment, even though some of that wasn't as accurate as a picture as it should have been based on the fact that a lot of folks just didn't come back into the job market either. Yeah. But yeah. Was, was that a big part of it or was there something more to it, you think, maybe even political on their part? Well, um, Janet Yellen, um, uh, who I I know of, um, I've never met, but I do know she's a, an extremely intelligent lady. She has an Ivy League doctorate. She's a professor at Cal Berkeley. She was chair of the Federal Reserve, and now she's secretary of the Treasury. So an extremely intelligent uh, lady. I think she just lost her objectivity. I think that's what happened to, to Powell. Uh, normally, when you, when you set monetary policy, uh, you, you do so to reach the economic goals, and the economic goals are always price stability, try to keep inflation at you know a reasonable level, full employment, keep unemployment you know as low as you can, and have the economy uh, grow. So, monetary policy is geared toward those three goals, and so should fiscal policy. For some reason, they decided that. Um, curing these real or perceived social injustices, uh, like CEOs make so much more than everybody else, uh, college students borrowed money and actually have to pay it back, uh, everybody doesn't have health care, uh, some people can't afford daycare. Um, they started concentrating on those social uh, issues and climate change, and they kept justifying their, the economic decisions um, because it reached those social goals, the climate change goals and those things. So as a result, they put the economic goals really um, as a second level priority. And they made the decisions based on, hey, now's the time we have to save the earth. And, you know, now now's the time we have to make sure there's uh, social justice in the world and everybody's treated equally. And uh, now's the time to do all that, you know, the. Democrats felt that was uh, their views, and they had control of both houses of Congress and the president. They figured now's the time we have to we have to do all this. So I, I think their views just got a little bit clouded um, by some of this social stuff. I think they lost their objectivity. You know, I wrote a column uh, three or four weeks ago about you know maybe it's time to replace uh, Yellen and, and Powell. Um, not that they're both very intelligent people and uh, have a, a world of experience. It's just I don't think they're the right people that fit the needs of the country right now. Um, we need someone who can be a little more objective 
and make sure you understand how the economics works and we don't end up with uh, with all these problems. Right. Uh, somebody that can actually focus on the primary job first, and then if you can get to any of the others, well, then that's just gravy. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like a pretty good idea. Um, going back at uh, what the Fed's effort here, uh, yeah. obviously raising the interest rates is intended to try and reach what they refer to as a neutral rate, uh, a rate right. uh, where you're not really looking to stimulate the economy or to curtail it. Uh, you want to keep that economic growth uh, on an even kill to try to get inflation under control. Is that really our best bet for getting control of inflation? And if so, uh, are we anywhere close to an interest rate that would be able to accomplish that? Yeah, so th that policy makes a lot of sense if they started it in March of 2021 instead of waiting until 20. 22. Um, now that the uh, inflation rate is as high as it is, uh, they're going to have to continue their very aggressive policy um, to take out enough demand in the economy to try to bring the inflation rate down. So what, had they started last year getting what you were, they try to refer to as a softer landing, and this is very difficult, you want to raise the rates high enough so you take out enough demand that inflation goes away, but not too much demand that it starts to hit the supply side and it pushes us into a recession. So the, the, the Federal Reserve is saying they're trying to find that sweet spot. <clears throat> and I asked about the likelihood of, of that happening. Had they started this a year and a half ago, I think you have about a 50-50 chance. You know, it's a very difficult thing to to do. You never know exactly how consumers are going to react. Uh, you never know how much the rates have to go up before they, you know, really uh, uh, change their buying patterns. So uh, there's a lot of variables here. Um, but uh, the idea is to, to try to find that level of interest rates and money supply growth that, gets enough demand in the economy to keep it growing, but not too much demand, they end up with inflation. Um, I think at this point, finding that sweet spot is next to impossible. Um, I think we're in a recession now, a very slight recession, and I think it will be mild, mostly because we have a severe labor shortage. Um, and during most recessions, unemployment goes way up. During this recession, uh, all those job openings that are out there uh, are just going to go down. So the unemployment rate won't go up that much during this recession. Uh, that'll keep the recession fairly mild. Um, now, there's some other variables have to come into play, too. But that should keep the recession uh, fairly mild. And if that happens, interest rates will stabilize. And then as then they'll try to, uh, as long as inflation comes down, then they'll try to get the economy growing again by bringing the rates uh, down to some equilibrium level. And we'll see what that, that turns out to be. All right. Well, I do have to express some concern, Doctor, on the, the fact that a lot of small businesses have been struggling through supply chain issues. They've been struggling through uh, uh, staffing issues. And uh, what I fear is that if 
these um, efforts to curtail the uh, the demand uh, hit hard enough that it is entirely possible that a lot of small businesses may end up uh, uh, bearing the brunt of this and end up, uh, you know, we may end up losing a lot of those jobs that are currently available. Uh, and, and nobody's going to be more sensitive to these changes in small businesses in America. And unfortunately, that's still the primary driver for most jobs in the country. Absolutely. On all counts there, uh, most new jobs um, are created by small business. Uh, small business is really the backbone of the country. And the other part that small business gets clobbered the most by things like this is also true. So the Federal Reserve <laughs> Again, they try to find a sweet spot where you can keep inflation down and not take out too much demand that it starts to hurt some of these uh, smaller businesses. My fear is that because they've acted so late and, in, and inflation has gone up so much that their, their top priority is getting the inflation down. And that may mean an interest rate level that ends up hurting a lot of small businesses. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's let's switch gears just a little bit because, unfortunately, I don't think it seems like there's very much good news on that front. But uh, uh-huh. uh, when when you are in a recession, regardless of how big or small it is, and no matter how you go about trying to redefine it, uh, there is very little good news for the small business community. But uh, we've recently seen the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And uh, most likely, uh, based on this breakneck speed that Pelosi is trying to set, will probably make its way through the House of Representatives before the American people really get a good look at this. Uh, I don't know if you've had much of a chance to see... uh, dig into it and see for yourself what all's there. But I know undoubtedly you have probably taken at least a cursory look at it. So my first question there is, have you seen anything in it at all that actually reduces inflation? No. Anytime that we're we're in a period um, of high inflation that's primarily caused by excess demand, too much demand in the economy, the Federal Reserve tries to take it out, some demand out. The federal government can take some of the demand out, too, by simply reducing government spending. But instead of reducing government spending, excuse me, uh, instead of reducing government spending, he wants to spend another $435 billion more uh, on things that will simply add to excess demand, and therefore will be inflationary. Making matters worse, he wants to raise taxes by whatever his numbers were, 700 and some billion, mostly by taxing upper income people uh, and corporations. Doing that um, will, will restrict supply, and that will also lead to inflation. So why do I say that? Um, People, the higher in income people and corporations, if you raise their, their taxes, um, the amount that for individuals, the amount they spend on their lifestyle is going to probably stay about the same. If you raise their taxes, their just investment that year will go down a little bit. Um, so when their investments go down, that reduces capital formation. Similarly, 
when you raise taxes on corporations, they have less retained earnings because they still have to pay dividends. Um, So that reduces their capital formation. So now you're reducing capital formation at a time when two very important things. One, we have a capital intensive economy. That means we need capital to have the economy grow. Um, what exactly does that mean? It means we, in our, as our factories expand, um, they have robots in them rather than people. They're highly automated. That requires capital. Any of these businesses, even the service industries, they need capital to expand. Well, again, you're reducing the amount of capital going in. We also have a second problem. The federal government is $31 trillion in debt. Uh, with no plan to ever pay that back. They just keep rolling the debt uh, over. Um, That pulls money out of capital markets. So now you're pulling money out of the markets. You're raising taxes on the wealthy, so there's less, and corporations, so there's less going in. You create a capital shortage, have a capital-intensive economy with the government taking everything they need. There may not be enough capital for business to expand and if they can't expand, that lead, when you're pumping up demand, especially, that, that leads to even more inflation. Yeah, it certainly seems counterintuitive, but uh, there's been a, uh, it's not even really a joke. We, we, we've been saying it circulating in conservative radio uh, in particular, where we talk about just look at what they decide to name a bill and assume that it actually is going to do the opposite. <laughs> And it, they have certainly held up their end on this one. Um, one, of the, one of the stranger aspects, I think, in regards to this bill, something that we started kind of finding out uh, over the course of the weekend, part of the big money here is being set aside to hire some 87,000 new IRS agents for compliance purposes. They're <laughs> claiming that this is to go after the rich to go after those corporations where the corporations are just going to pass that on to the consumers anyway, in most cases. And the dirty little secret is that at least previous to now, the IRS typically doesn't spend a whole lot of resources going after those very wealthy individuals because they can hire lawyers. They can drag it out a long time and they can very often win their cases. Whereas the middle class and below they're the ones who are t- particularly vulnerable to the IRS going and taking stuff and generating uh, their revenue that way. So based on your experience and your knowledge here, what is your initial impression of the fact that they plan on turning the IRS into one of the larger entities now with enforcement capabilities? And is this uh, even remotely like what they're claiming they want to do this with, or is there good reason for uh, the average American to be concerned about this big increase in agents? There's a good reason for the average American to be terribly concerned about this. This is completely unnecessary, and there's really um, uh, other motives behind it than, well, we're just trying to collect revenue from the uh, wealthy. Um, But as you say, uh, what's going to end up happening is the uh, upper classes can afford the uh, attorneys and fight these, and the middle classes can't. You get something from the IRS, everybody just gets nervous and just, okay, what do I have to do? Um, and they're going to end up coming after you. Look, if, if you think there's a problem with cheating, 
make the uh, tax system uh, easier to figure out so people don't have to cheat. That's where the uh, problem is. For the most part, Americans are honest with their taxes. I read one study that said that uh, the the U.S. uh, has the smallest problem with tax cheats um, of any industrialized country. Uh, You know, they say, well, there are 55 corporations that made billions of dollars and didn't pay tax. Well, that's 55 out of 7,000 publicly traded corporations. And why they probably didn't pay tax is they either had huge losses the year before that they were able to carry some forward, or they made huge investments uh, that helped the economy grow and they got some kind of a depreciation uh, um, expense for that. And yes, it minimizes your tax liability, but it encourages growth in the economy so that the following year, they go back to paying billions of dollars a year, uh, like you know many of the other large corporations uh, do. Uh, so so to, to, to try to come up with this whole thing, we're going to get the IRS to get these tax cheats and there are corporations that uh, 55 of them are the, the, made billions and didn't pay taxes. And so to give out all of this kind of uh, information and to, to get 87,000 new agents, I, I think they only have like 60 some thousand now. So it's more than double what they have. And even now people are um, a little n- nervous. Look, the, the, the problem, again, is with the tax system and the tax code. Everybody, including myself, everybody that I know, you fill out your taxes at the, at the end of the year. You know, you did the right thing. You used TurboTax. Or, you know, you did everything the way you were, you were supposed to do. But I don't know if I took the right deductions. Did I take something I shouldn't have taken? Or did I miss something I should have taken? You know, I think I got them all. But, I, you know, who knows? Everybody's a little nervous. Fix the tax code and get rid of all these uh, IRS agents. We have other problems where we, where we can use 87,000 employees better than the uh, IRS. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely, uh, I, I have full reason to feel concerned too, and I, I'm not holding back on telling folks that. So hearing you say that kind of makes me feel a little bit better because I've already been on about that on there. So uh, I feel vindicated. Thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> my you, pleasure. You, you've you already answered my last question for you, and I was going to ask this point blank, are we in a recession? Uh, since you've already yeah. said, yes, we are. Uh, let me ask you this uh, then. Does the Biden administration and their effort to try and redefine what we've commonly referred to, do they actually have a legitimate case within the economic uh, landscape of some other facet that keeps it from technically being one? Okay, so the reality is we're in a recession. Recession comes from the word receding. Receding means you're moving backwards. Economists say, well, if you move backwards, you know, for a a couple of months or so, uh, I don't know if that's any kind of trend. But if you do it for six months straight, you're you're moving backwards. And when you're moving backwards, that's a recession. Now, uh, the government says, well, wait a minute, that's not true. Recessions are declared by a government agency, uh, the National uh, Bureau of Economic Research, MBER. They declare recession and they say we're not in a recession. Well, why aren't we in a recession? Aren't we going backwards? And they say, well, if you're in a recession, unemployment goes way up. And look, we're at full employment uh, level. So if there's low uh, unemployment, we can't possibly be in a recession. Now, of course, the the simple answer back to that 
which they know, is that we have a severe labor shortage now. There's nearly 11 million job openings and less than 6 million unemployed people. So what's going to happen is, uh, fortunately, uh, instead of people getting laid off, all those job openings are going to go away. Uh, you know, look, uh, simple example. You have a businessman. He says, look, I need 10 people to operate my business efficiently. For the last year, I've only had nine. I, I can't get that 10th person. I can't get someone to come back to work. Well, in this recession, if his business slows down, he'll say, okay, I only need nine people anyway. Everybody can go back to normal, and I'll just drop the job opening. So what's going to happen this time is you'll see these job openings, I think, drop dramatically, uh, which will keep the unemployment rates, I think, still going to go up a little bit, but it won't go up nearly what we see during recessions. And that's the answer back to the uh, NBER National Bureau of Economic, yeah, NBER, uh, as to why the um, unemployment rate is not going down because we have a severe labor shortage. And this, um, this recession will eliminate all of those open job openings uh, rather than seeing unemployment go up. Right. So basically, it's, uh, if you'll forgive the uh, terminology, an accounting trick <laughs> that they're using, a little bit of spin, as we yeah. say in politics, uh, and it's one that they're aware of. They they recognize that to be the case. Uh, all right. Uh, again, thank you so much for uh, being so very yeah. generous with your time, uh, Dr. Bussler. Uh, before we uh, say goodbye, I want to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can find your work. And if you're still inviting people to follow you on social media platforms, uh, please feel free to share your handles. Well, thank you. Uh, it's very kind of you. So I tweet out every one of my columns at mbusler. That's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. Um, and I also have a Facebook page called uh, Funding Democracy, uh, the Economics of Freedom. But if you have Facebook, just search for Funding Democracy, Funding Democracy. I tweet out all of my columns. Uh, the majority of which are on um, Newsmax, um, but I'm in some other sites too, Town Hall uh, and a few others. Um, and if you uh, want to follow me on my Facebook page, that would certainly be great. All right. Again, thank you so very much. Uh, I greatly appreciate our conversations. And as I've said uh, a multitude of your visits before, I have nothing but respect for you uh, going in and trying to teach the next generation. Uh, that is a job all into itself, given where uh, our current states of, uh, of our civilization happens to be at. So thank you for all you do, sir, and Godspeed. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoy being here. I look forward to doing it again, and thank you for the kind words. All right. Thanks, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Dr. Michael Bussler. And uh, we will continue right after this brief break. She was from a blue state clan, taught to praise the little man, told that unions saved the working class. He was raised a red state son, to love the flag and own a gun. Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows He 
couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west you're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president.
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And for those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, just so that you know, Time of the Live broadcast happens to be August the 9th, 2022. It's a Tuesday afternoon, and uh, things just keep getting crazier and crazier. Uh, if you missed the first hour of today's broadcast, because this is the second hour, uh, please look for us wherever you listen to podcasts, or come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. And uh, go over to the page that says past broadcast, and then click the player there. Uh, you'll see uh, all of the most recent broadcasts, and you can look for archived versions uh, if you want to go a little further back. Now, uh, clearly, uh, the biggest part of the news cycle, and I have a feeling it's going to continue to be over the next few uh, days, uh, if, you know, I, I don't want to see the thing that's going to have to happen to bump this off of the top spot. Let me just put it like that. But uh, we're still getting more details that are coming forward about the FBI raiding uh, Donald Trump's home and private club at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, we keep getting the story that the FBI, uh, evidently they didn't tell the White House, and there's still some word as to whether, well, some question uh, in regards to whether Merrick Garland knew anything about it or not. Seems very unrealistic to believe that they would have broken protocol. And this is a huge breach of protocol with this type of a, of a matter because typically it's handled uh, in civil court. But uh, it's very difficult to swallow this particular pill. Oh, no, you're going to just go do this without somebody really high up explaining and uh, giving permission? giving the green light. You want to tell me that Christopher Ray literally waited till after he gave testimony uh, on Capitol Hill and then greenlit this all on his own with nobody from the uh, Department of Justice higher up saying, go, 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 go. I mean, I have a hard time believing that this isn't much like the rest of you, anything more than an effort to try and manipulate voters in the upcoming election. The problem is, a lot of folks are going to be moved in the other direction. A lot of people are now going to say that, according to the image, and as you well know, especially if you're a leftist, uh, there's a strong belief that perception is reality. Well, the perception here is they're scared crapless of Donald Trump, and they probably should be. But the perception is also that there are corrupt government and deep state bureaucrats that are still targeting Trump today. And understand, Donald Trump said it absolutely correct when he was campaigning and then when he was in his office, and he put it very succinctly, here's the takeaway. They're not actually after Donald Trump. They're after us. But at that point in time, Donald Trump was just the guy standing between us. Make no mistake about it. This is true. Now, we talked a little bit about it at the top as specifically focused 
top of the first hour, uh, the, specifically focused on the idea that somehow the White House didn't know. wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that uh, evidently the judge who approved the FBI raid uh, it was somebody that's been disparaging Trump since the very beginning. Somebody that's been sharing woke content on Facebook, and I would imagine probably other social media platforms if we were to dig into it far enough. But the Florida magistrate judge who reportedly signed off on the FBI's raid of uh, Trump's home uh, allegedly has been disparaging of the former president uh, since he was a candidate. Uh, This guy, Bruce Reinhardt, the suspected judge who approved the raid at Mar-a-Lago, apparently... mm, Apparently, he was very negative towards then-president-elect Donald Trump back in 2017, all over Facebook. And a Facebook post screenshotted uh, and shared uh, a, and reviewed by the Daily Wire. Reinhardt wrote, quote, the generally ignore, oh, I'm sorry, I generally ignore the president-elect's tweets, but not this one. John Lewis arguably has done more to make America great than any living citizen. Another quote here. Last August, I took my son to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma so he could understand the kind of courage and sacrifice required to live in a democratic society. John Lewis embodies that spirit. Although I've never met him, He is one of my heroes. Okay, so obviously anti-Trump and all uber woke. (laughs) And uh, I I say obviously because you have to understand who this judge is. An Obama appointee, by the way. Uh, In 2017, Trump tweeted, Congressman John Lewis should spend more time on fixing and helping his district which is in horrible shape and falling apart, not to mention crime-infested, rather than falsely complaining about the election results. All talk, 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 no action or results. Sad, Lewis represents Georgia's 5th District from 1987 until his death in 2020. Just so you know. Now, Trump made this statement, of course, before his passing. Now, uh, thank you. Robert Reich, for saying what so many of us feel. John Lewis is the conscience of America. Donald Trump doesn't have the moral stature to kiss John Lewis's feet. Now, this again, back to Reinhardt's postings on Facebook. He added to that, or as Joseph Welch said to Joseph McCarthy, at long last, have you left no sense of decency? Likewise, Reinhardt shared Facebook posts that indicated he is the magistrate judge in question. In March of 2018, he shared a screenshot of an announcement from former Governor Rick Scott announcing the appointment of Carolyn Bell to the 15th Judicial Circuit Court, saying, quote, I'm so proud of my wife. The dedicated public servant for almost three decades. She will be a phenomenal judge. Reinhardt also shared, the citizens of Palm Beach County and the state of Florida are blessed and lucky to have her. Thanks to everyone who supported her candidacy and 
a special thanks to Governor Rick Scott and his team for placing their confidence in her. Now, according to documents from palmbeachbar.org, uh, quoting from there, a fun fact about Judge Bell is that, coincidentally, her husband, Judge Bruce Reinhardt, was sworn in as United States Magistrate Judge for the Southern District of Florida in the same week Governor Rick Scott appointed her to the circuit court bench. In March 2018, he was elevated to magistrate judge, uh, according to the New York Post. His Facebook page also links to the website uh, com. He also posted a picture of a man holding golden double-stuffed Oreos and a bottle of early times Kentucky bourbon straight whiskey who bears a striking resemblance to Reinhardt based on media photos. The uh, situation here, uh, Reinhardt also shared a post in October of 2017 from a Facebook group called Woke Folks explaining white privilege using the metaphor of running a race with different starting lines. Uh, on this past Tuesday, sources told the New York Post that Reinhardt approved the search warrant that authorized the raid of the former president's home uh, that the judge had previously represented convicted sex offender and pedophile Jeffrey Epstein's employees who had received immunity in the investigation of Epstein's sex trafficking. Uh, Reinhardt reportedly resigned from the South Florida U.S. Attorney's Office back in January 1st of 2008, and the next day went to represent the Epstein employees. He told the Miami Herald that he represented Epstein's pilots, Epstein's scheduler, Sarah Kellen, and Epstein's reporter, Yugoslavian sex slave, uh, Nadia Markakova. Markakova. I'm probably butchering Nadia's last name. Apologies. Now, he would later be named in the 2011 Crime Victims' Rights Act lawsuit, accusing him of violating DOJ policies through the job change in the midst of the Epstein investigation. Now, Reinhardt denied this allegation, claiming that he never learned any confidential, non-public information about the Epstein matter. That's also according to the Herald, and denying that he participated in the Epstein case while at the South Florida U.S. Attorney's Office. His former colleagues contradicted this back in uh, 2013, uh, a court filing that uh, happened at that point that said Reinhardt had learned confidential, non-public information about the Epstein matter. This was reported by the New York Post. In response to this accusation, Reinhardt reportedly told the Miami Herald that the Justice Department had dismissed a complaint that an Epstein victim's lawyer had filed against him. Uh, the National Pulse reported that he donated to former President Barack Obama's campaign twice, back in 2008-2008, and to former presidential candidate Jeb Bush's campaign in 2015. So, obviously, he is quite anti-Trump. So, again, I'm going to turn back around and ask the question, are we actually looking at a situation where we are 
outside of political pressure. Because remember, back in the first hour, that was a big part of what the White House is saying. The FBI should be acting without political pressure. And they're right. They should be. But this is such a deviation from business as usual. Such an oddity compared to how this type of incident is so very often handled. And we're not talking about simple matter of, you know, look the other way if they're a Democrat, because obviously that's part of business as usual, and we're still seeing that. The FBI is still working very hard to protect Joe Biden from the potential damage that Hunter Biden's uh, publicly aired laundry now may occur as far as blowbacks concerned. Because the important thing to remember that when it comes to Hunter Biden, Hunter owns his womanizing, Hunter owns his drug abuse, his alcohol abuse. Hunter has done all those things. That's on him. But the real criminal activity, as far as traveling around the world and making big money deals, well, that's all about selling access to Joe Biden. That's about selling access to a guy who's been in Washington, D.C. for the better part of 50 years. A guy who's held the office of United States Senator. The guy who's held the office as Vice President of the United States for eight years. And the guy who has been installed as the current supposed President of the United States and providing that nothing terrible happens, that he doesn't get impeached, and that he doesn't eventually just kind of fall out because mentally incapable of continuing to utter anything, then we're going to have him for a minimum of four years total. Heaven help us as he's managed to provide for us record-setting devastation in less than two. The real criminal is Joe Biden. The real criminal is the Biden crime family, Joe, his brother, and, of course, Hunter as well. And I'd say there's probably a little criminality to go around for Dr. Jill, the greatest doctor of all time, uh, Anthony Fauci being number two, of course. Of course. So here we are. Is there any chance whatsoever that there was something legitimately going on that's actually criminal. Technically, I suppose that's always possible. Could be a case that we're being given a little bit of misinformation, disinformation, uh, to try and prevent Trump from hiding the actual evidence of what they're actually trying to investigate. That's always a possibility. And I would love to live in a time where we could just give these people the benefit of the doubt and assume that to be the case. But as a simple matter of a word of advice to Merrick Garland and to Christopher Wray, and hell, even to Joe Biden as far as that's concerned, if that is the case, you best go ahead and skip the cloak and dagger and go ahead and show your work to the American people. It's going to be the only way you're going to be able to salvage anything even remotely similar to trust and validation in this effort. If you want credibility, you're going to have to come clean because the cover story, if that's what this is, it doesn't hold water. It doesn't stand up the legal challenge and it makes it look like you guys are simply targeting a political adversary. It looks like you're doing exactly what Donald Trump's been saying you were doing from the beginning. 
And there's a good reason why nobody, and I do mean nobody, even a good number of uh, people that typically vote Democrat that I've talked to in the last two days, are falling on board with this. Nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying that you're actually there to try to find potential classified documents that have been mishandled. And it really doesn't help when the uh, the National Archives turns around and tells you, well, they're not even certain that the documents that were uh, collected are actually classified documents. Some of them were classified at one point in time, but it's potentially, um, it's entirely possible that Donald Trump may have declassified them uh, before uh, he even left uh, the White House with them. And as President of the United States, he does have that legal authority in case there's a leftist out there that doesn't know it. So they don't even know what they got. They just collected stuff randomly. They broke into a safe because Donald was not there. He was in New York. And this judge clearly has an anti-Trump bias. He, he clearly, he, he was very much enamored with Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama. And he very clearly supported Jeb Bush because, you know, a Democrat light is basically what you get from the Bushes. Uh, it's sad. It's true. I mean, I generally, I, I liked, I liked former President Bush, George, the, the younger. I liked him personally. I don't think he was as good as most Republicans would like for him to have been. I don't think he was as bad as, as a lot of the haters say that he was. I think he falls somewhere uh, in that in-between range where he just wasn't always focused, and he surrounded himself with advisors and with neocons that were probably not the best fit for what America needed in that moment in time. But that's something that can happen to anybody in that position, especially if you're going to be relying on your father and your family ties to help establish who your advisors are going to be. And let's be fair, that's exactly what happened there. That doesn't make it okay. It doesn't make it right. It's just an acknowledgement of the situation, right? So uh, this judge supported Jeb. I'm assuming because he didn't want Donald Trump to win. I mean, why else would you support Jeb? Because uh, if you guys will remember the primaries, it wasn't until about, I don't know, it was after Iowa. Uh, I think it was right before Super Tuesday when Jeb Bush actually started to act like he cared if he got the nomination or not. And I don't know if part of that's because he just assumed he was going to get it. Hey, I'm another Bush. Uh, you voted for my dad. You voted for my brother. I'm a shoe-in. Maybe there was some of that in play, and it wasn't until that point that he realized, I'm not placing very well in these uh, primaries uh, here. Uh, I didn't do well in Iowa. didn't do well in New Hampshire. Uh, if I don't do something on Super Tuesday, I'm already going to be out of this. I tend to think that that's part of what happened. But this guy, this judge, clearly he has an axe to grind against Trump, and clearly he didn't care what the actual law says about this. I'm just, I'm going back and offering up some advice to the FBI agents that actually executed this warrant. The FBI agent that approved uh, moving forward 
with trying to execute the warrant, who actually went to go get the warrant. And, of course, the judge that approved the warrant based on whatever evidence they have, you better show this to the American people. Otherwise, you just guaranteed that Donald Trump or someone like him is going to be the next president of the United States. I mean, best case scenario for the Democrats who are scared crapless of Donald John Trump, as well they should be, is they do find some way to tie him up in enough legal question that prevents him from running this go-around. But then what happens? Well, then you get Ron DeSantis, and guess what? DeSantis is probably a bigger challenge for you guys to beat uh, than Donald Trump is. He's literally everything that most of the people that like Trump likes about Trump, while you get none of the general reason why some Republicans don't like Trump. He's got none of that. Throw on top of that the fact that he actually has experience with running a government, that being a head executive of a government entity, and he goes about fighting the, the culture war and fighting the political war the right way by passing legislation and by utilizing the authority that is granted to him by the state constitution in which he's operating. He's literally the prototype of how things should be done. He doesn't back down from the media, but he doesn't uh, just throw off on the media. He's, he stands up for what's right, but he doesn't just stand back and send out mean tweets. Literally, all the positives, none of the negatives. So that's the best case scenario for the Dems. Worst case scenario, they come up with a big uh, Russian collusion uh, whiff uh, again with the gigantic nothing burger, just like the January 6th stuff has been too. And you turn this into the great MAGA king uh, being re-coronated <laughs> and taking his rightful throne at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. How do you guys think you're going to fare then after doing everything that you've tried to do to him since he's been removed from office? How do you think you're going to do, guys? What do you think that's going to look like, especially with the midterms upcoming? And this is likely to fuel a lot of Republican sympathy in the midterms that maybe you guys were kind of getting some positivity in some of the purple states. Maybe you were getting some level of women softening in red states uh, to be a little more amenable to voting for Democrats because you want they want to establish some level of protection of murdering pre-born baby humans. I haven't seen a lot of evidence of that. I mean, some folks keep pointing to the Kansas State Constitution Amendment uh, referendum, and I still think that part of that comes down to uh, confusion and how it was worded, and part of it comes down to the fact that you had a lot of leftists that showed up to vote because the whole abortion thing was fresh in their mind. This is the the hill they want to die on. This is that cause that they want to fight for. And they showed up and you get that combination of some folks that wanted to, to vote for the amendment, uh, thought they were voting against abortion, so they hit the wrong selection. Uh, and then you have a number of folks that are like, you know what? Uh, maybe we ought to just 
slow down. It doesn't even mean that at some point in the near future, this referendum can't come back and would pass us uh, unequivocally. Unequivocally being a word I can say, but for some reason my tongue doesn't want to at the moment. Uh, maybe, maybe in a year from now, Kansas goes back and does put this amendment into their state constitution, and they protect the sanctity of life from the beginning. Or maybe they do just what San Clemente did, and okay, we're going to write a very strongly worded referendum. We're going to turn our city into a sanctuary for life. But as soon as uh, the first whining complaint from a leftist that wants to murder pre-born baby humans uh, as a matter of convenience shows up and starts whining, oh no, well, we better back off. Shame on you guys. Shame on you guys. To not even bring it up for a vote now. To strike it from the agenda. Such cowardice. Cowardice that I think, uh, should you be a God-fearing uh, individual, guys, uh, I think I'd be working on my explanation for when I meet uh, St. Peter. Just throwing that out there. All right, let's take the mid-hour break, and then we will move on to the next topic of interest. You guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back after this very brief break. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go you know the you know the thing. Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean he has made clear that uh uh, uh, well, I took uh the walk around the world to ease my trouble down I'm thanking you my body lying somewhere in the sands of time. No, no. I promise you, the president has a big step. I keep forgetting I'm president. While many Christian parents and adults in general continue to be cowardly lions, children are allowed to be trained up in the way that they should not go. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Once upon a time in the land of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness where Christian-based morality was the standard, especially in many churches, it was taught and believed that immoral, unnatural, sexual practitioners would not be allowed to push their adult chosen lifestyle upon children who should be taught and encouraged to seek the higher moral ground and to look forward to a successful life. But apparently the leadership of Grace Episcopal Church in Manhattan, New York City, did not get that memo because recently at the church's school, Students reportedly felt extreme pressure to play along after their ostensibly Christian high school turned its mandatory chapel service into a drag queen show. Students who chose to remain anonymous said there was tons and tons of pressure to act approvingly about the drag queen performances and pretend like it was normal. This indicates just how corrupt and unbiblical that both the church leadership and parents are. This is Exhibit A on how to destroy America from within. Wake up, America. I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition.
Well, I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. Yeah, you know what? I guess maybe not all of it's been done before, as we are now seeing some unprecedented events. Um, before we get back into the uh, just of the show, though, I want to remind you that uh, Blue Coolers is doing a lot to try to make sure that you can enjoy your summertime outings and that, uh, surprisingly, that you can have what you need in the event of an emergency, too. I, I've often connected blue coolers as far as the super cooler 10-day ice at the half the price mentality as being something that may come in handy in a, an emergency situation. But that's not all they do. They also have what they call the Blue 72 Kit. Now, it's the perfect grab-and-go solution for all your emergency needs, whether it's a pandemic, an earthquake, a tornado, a hurricane, power outage, blizzard, or, you know, maybe a little bit of all that all wrapped up into one. It is a must-have for every person. Each kit is designed to provide the essentials for one person's use for a 72-hour time period. And if you need multiple kits... Uh, check it out and be sure that you uh, pay attention to the family pack because they have a bundle of four where you get an additional 25% savings on top of all that. And oh yeah, by the way, right now you can slide over to the Blue Coolers website and you have a chance to sign up just by putting in your email address, a chance to win uh, first week of September, $1,700 worth of of gear from Blue Cooler. So that's a pretty good deal too. So if nothing else, follow the link and go sign up when that uh, little a little notification pops up as soon as you're there. Uh, the link in the show description will take you directly to the Blue 72 page. But once you are there, you can also check out uh, the different coolers, uh, whether it's the 10-day ice or maybe you're looking to save a little money and you're checking out for five-day ice coolers. Uh, there are other uh, products like blue apparel, uh, drinkware, replacement parts for your coolers, and other cooler accessories. Uh, they also have a tab for coolers that are currently on sale. They have uh, a page dedicated to more info where you get facts about what they're doing, the story behind blue coolers, uh, the folks that are currently uh, running the company, cooler optimization tips, third-party test, warranty information, Blue Cooler videos, and some of those are pretty funny. They got some good ones. Of course, the survival kits, and, uh, you know, you can just head on to the homepage and see everything. Bottom line is, 
right now, you can't do much better than Blue Coolers. Uh, I've got a special offer for today. Uh, so that is August the 9th. If you happen to hear this before then, you can take $40 off of a 30-quart cooler with the code 40OFF30. Uh, like I said, that does end today. So uh, they are often running specials like that, though. So you can uh, just visit the site and see what they've got going on. It's good stuff. In the meanwhile, let's go ahead and get back to the show before any more time gets away from us. There was a couple of uh, headlines that I wanted to just briefly mention before I get back to the next main topic. First and foremost, a Twitter employee has been convicted of spying for Saudi Arabia. Uh, they were manipulating information and moving uh, things uh, about Twitter users. Uh, very interesting to see that. Uh, also, another headline that you need to be aware of, uh, part of this Green New Deal that they just passed, calling it, well, let's call it the mini Green New Deal, uh, the Build Back Bubkiss uh, light. Uh, they're calling it Inflation Reduction. Uh, part of that, there is a credit for electric vehicles in it. Here's, even though the credits are extremely small and will not really realistically help you to better afford one of these cars, if that's what you're really looking to do, uh, the terrible, deep, dark, dirty secret there is that most electric vehicles won't even qualify for the tax credits that uh, are in this particular bill. So, you know, gotta love these folks. Also, uh, spend a lot of time uh, praising Lindsey Graham, spend a lot of time criticizing Lindsey Graham, more time criticizing more often than not. But uh, got to admit, at least he's on the right side of uh, the topic of the new IRS agents. Uh, <laughs> he's out there publicly saying, and I quote, God help us. And that's probably pretty much what it's going to take. Now, there is... Something going on that maybe, because it's being overshadowed, you didn't quite pick up on. But uh, the FBI was busy also compensating compensating cell phones from Republican congressmen, a uh, particular Republican congressman. I don't think it'll be the last one that we see, though. You see, federal agents showed up and took the personal cell phone of Representative Scott Perry, a Republican from Pennsylvania, while he was traveling. On Tuesday, and that would be today, time of the live broadcast, which, of course, was Tuesday, August the 9th, 2022. He was traveling with his family, and uh, the FBI just showed up and said, hey, we're going to take that. Uh, in a statement, uh, he said, quote, this morning, while traveling with my family, three FBI agents visited me and seized my cell phone. They made no attempt to contact my lawyer, who would have made arrangements for them to have my cell phone, if it was their wish. I'm outraged, though not surprised, that the FBI, under the direction of Merrick Garland's DOJ, would seize the phone of a sitting member of Congress. My phone contains information about my legislative and political activities, and personal private discussions with my wife, family, constituents, and friends. None of this is the government's business. Perry also invoked Donald Trump, who, as we have 
discussed and you have been well documented at this point, uh, was raided by the FBI back on Monday. Uh, quote, as with President Trump last night, DOJ chose this unnecessary and aggressive action instead of simply contacting my attorneys. These kinds of banana republic tactics should concern every citizen, especially considering the decision before Congress this week to hire 87,000 new IRS agents to further persecute law-abiding citizens. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, at this point in time, it's unclear what the seizing of Perry's cell phone was related to. But Fox News did note that Perry had been a target of the Democrats' January 6th House Select Committee because he is is a loyal Trump ally. Now, uh, some people would say he was, but uh, now uh, Perry has still been very strongly in President Trump's corner. So he was then and currently still is a very strong, loyal Trump ally who was in frequent contact with Trump when uh, Trump was in the White House. FBI agents executed a search warrant on Trump's Florida home in Mar-a-Lago because they reportedly believed that Trump held back turning over all the classified information that was supposed to be sent back to the National Archives earlier this year. That's their story. They're sticking to it, at least for now. I don't think too many folks are buying it. The Wall Street Journal reported that the FBI executed the search warrant in part because they believed additional classified information remained at the private club. Again, this is what the FBI and the Department of Justice was saying to them. Truth of the matter is, I think it has way more to do with January 6th and their desperation to try to prove something anything to cast doubt, to cast concern, to get the general American public to move away from Donald Trump, especially since based on the CPAC poll, it looks like he's the next nominee of the Republican Party. The report also said that federal agents removed more than 10 boxes of material from the property, which is being stored at a local FBI field office. Agents were reportedly at the property, being Mar-a-Lago, the entire day, and were dressed in plain clothes, leading staff to believe that they were U.S. Secret Service agents, which is why news of the executed search warrant did not leak. Trump's Secret Service agents were notified about the raid only moments before it occurred. Trump had lawyers present during the raid while he was at his residence in New York City. FBI agents looked in all offices and safes on the property and took numerous boxes full of documents for them to sort out at the local South Florida FBI field office. Uh, according to a source speaking to Fox News, they, quote, were not being judicious about what they took. They were just throwing random stuff in the box. What about this? I don't know. It's right on the box. We'll take it. Now, federal prosecutors opened a grand jury investigation back in May into Trump over whether classified material had ended up at his home in Mar-a-Lago and was mishandled when it got there. Which, you know, uh, depending on the nature of that mishandling, it may or may not be a crime. Uh, generally speaking, if it was made available for people that shouldn't have access, 
Okay, now if he declassified it before leaving office, then all of it's a moot point. Now, the main purpose of these types of investigations is usually for federal authorities to determine if any classified material was compromised so that intelligence officers can take steps to protect sensitive sources and methods. Prosecutors are seeking to learn every aspect of how the documents were handled from the time the documents left the White House until they were returned to the National Archives. For prosecutors to be able to prove that a crime was committed, they would need evidence showing that the parties involved in removing the documents from the White House knew that the documents were classified and knew that removing them would violate the law. Uh, so things get kind of tricky there, but we're still looking back at why Scott Perry had his phone taken from him. Is this related, as it would appear, to what they did to Trump at Mar-a-Lago? It's hard to imagine that they're not related. The timing is very much within the realm of, okay, we moved there, but now we're going to have to move quickly against some of these other folks if we think they have evidence. So what exactly are they looking for? Are they really looking for uh, possible documents that may have been classified and were mishandled? Well, yeah, if they find something like that, they will definitely run with it, but is that really why they're there? At this point, it's very difficult to just Take them at their word. I mean, I really do wish that wasn't the case. Like a lot of you out there listening, I am somebody that once believed in the institutions of law enforcement and believed that despite the fact that, yes, there is some level of human corruption in every place you look, that for the most part, those are the good guys. Those are the guys that are going to stand up and protect you and me when the bad guys show up. That when they show up, the cavalry has arrived, that they're actually not the bad guys that we need protection from. But more and more, each passing day, especially under Democratic administrations, it very much appears that they are the bad guys that we need protection from. They are the people looking to find workarounds the Constitution, to, to bully and force us into accepting their rules, regardless of what the law says, regardless of what the Constitution says, regardless of what a higher power would say. We stand on the precipice of the demise of the Republic, the, the final, last, desperate, labored breath of this formerly great constitutional Republic. Federalism is dead. Nationalism is considered a crime, abhorrent. It's been made to equate with white supremacy. Now, there's no doubt that excessive nationalism, coupled with other bad philosophies, can lead to bad things. But having a sense of pride in your country, Believing that your country is something special and worthy of fighting for as she was founded, that's generally the basic definition of nationalism. That in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. In fact, I know a, a lot of folks that tend to lean to the left that could stand a good dose of it. Some of these folks, uh, some of these 
upcoming teachers that attended the, the conference that was uh, basically put on with a lot of help from Hillsdale College, acting like, oh, no, they're talking about uh, America having been a great place. Oh, no, they're talking about uh, America uh, pushing back against slavery from its earliest foundings and, and oh, all this craziness. It, it's insane. I'm so concerned about the 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 references of Christian ideology. It's just it, this might as well have just been a Christian nationalist meeting instead of an attempt to help history educators be prepared for the upcoming year. Merrick, Attorney General Garland, with more respect than is due to you, what is going on? How can you let the FBI do this? Now, granted, back when we were seeing the show trial, the January 6th primetime specials, we knew that that was basically just an attempt to put more pressure on Merrick Garland, who was in a lose-lose situation at that point. Because if they don't have a case against Trump, he doesn't want to pursue one. It's a losing proposition. And if the Democrats make some political gains, it's still going to end up as egg on Merrick Garland's face. He's going to have to take one for the team. He's got people out there literally clamoring for him to have done something more. At this point, he's not willing to admit if he signed off on this or not. I don't imagine we're going to hear that very soon. And if he does, it's only going to be because his betters have demanded it of him. Again, if there actually is something legitimate going on, a, a reason to actually be investigating something beyond what we're being told... It's time to come clean with the American public, guys. Let the chips fall where they may. But it is clearly connected to the fact that uh, it is politically motivated and they are scared crapless of Donald John Trump making a repeat appearance in the White House. Joe Biden... Uh, they, they keep saying, according to the polls, that right now Joe Biden would beat Donald Trump uh, by double digits. No. That is not true. You don't even have the Democratic base in this country that wants him to run again. Uh, talking about Joe Biden. They don't want him to repeat. They don't want him coming back. They're over him. They want him gone. They want him to stand down. They want somebody else to step up and run. And while almost every one of them thinks they've got a good choice of who that candidate can be, they're mistaken. They don't have anybody that's really ready to take that next step. I mean, you definitely have a certain governor in California, looking at you, Gavin, who thinks that he is while he's running ads in Florida. Now he started running ads in some other conservative states. Hey, out here in California, we've got freedom. Freedom to do whatever we say and pay us uh, way too much in taxes for no good reason. And, uh, you know, uh, to, if, if all you really define freedom as is the ability to murder pre-born baby humans uh, in the womb, then, yeah, we got more freedom than anywhere. 
I mean, I still can't get over his rant. We talked about it Sunday, uh, his uh, attack at Hollywood producers. It's like, you guys need to, to come back and, and do Hollywood stuff actually in Hollywood instead of going to, to Georgia where, you know, they, they're like not like us and stuff. Wow, Gavin, compelling argument. Good job. How presidential. But, you know, that kind of passes in the Democratic Party because before Gavin Newsom was talking about that, uh, their best hope was the whitest guy in the Democratic Party trying to pretend like he's Hispanic. Like, dude, uh, call me Beto, and I'm going to roller skate. I'm not roller skate. <laughs> I'm going to skateboard my way into this meeting. <laughs> he might have done better on roller skates. At least then he could have brought me my lunch when I stopped by the Sonic uh, regional fast food restaurant. I don't know if that's everywhere. So if you're somewhere listening and you don't know what a Sonic restaurant is, it's uh, kind of like what the old A&Ws were. And then I realized that's probably a more obscure reference than Sonic for most folks. So, you know, uh, it's a place where they still employ roller skating car hops. Uh, in most locations, uh, you actually get paid extra if you can skate and are willing to do so uh, to take the food and the ice cream and the drinks out to the vehicles on roller skates. Anyway, I digress from all of that and get back to the point, as I should not have deviated from in the first place. The economy is a shambles. They're continuing to uh, launder money through the Ukraine. There was a big announcement just the other day that now Ukraine has made a deal with China for their rebuilding process. A little early for that, isn't it, guys? I mean, Russia is still bombing the crap out of several of your locations. I wouldn't start rebuilding just yet. Although, if you're going to side with China and get them in on the action, that might actually be the one thing that stops Russia from bombing your locations. Because uh, I don't think Xi Jinping would be real happy if Russia was to start bombing, you know, Chinese uh, workers. But uh, U.S. taxpayer dollars going to help Ukraine ending up in the hands of China? Well, I mean, maybe that's the one thing that might uh, make uh, Joe Biden think twice. Because right now, if it starts going to China instead of coming back to him, all of a sudden his business model is broken. So maybe we won't see the Ukrainian Monday laundering operation continue for much longer. But the fact that he just sent more billions of dollars, he just made the announcement this week that he's just sending it. I mean, was this actually appropriated? Did somebody pass this off? Where did it come from? He just made the announcement that he's just sending more. More direct cash and more military assistance. Guys, seriously, how much longer are you going to do this? Those are U.S. taxpayer dollars that you're wasting, along with your mini Green New Deal. The mini Build Back Bupkis deal that you just passed. That we're giving an awful lot of credit for uh, Joe Manchin uh, for having made this thing happen. Even though it took every Democrat in a position to vote on it to make it happen. 100% Democrat down the line over in the Senate. 50 Democrats voted yes, 50 Republicans voted no. Tiebreaker of Kamala Harris, the one time being vice president, means something in the government. Nobody crossed party lines. Nobody. And that's because anybody that understands how the economy works knows that this is not the time to be blowing out the spending. 
This is not the time to try to fundamentally transition our economy to a green economy. I don't know that there's ever actually going to be an appropriate time. The technology still is not coming along. And clearly, it's a scam. It's an excuse to spend lots and lots of more money and put it in the hands of people and companies that are just going to funnel it back into the Democratic Party. We're going to turn the IRS into the largest administrative state that exists currently. They're literally nearly quadrupling the IRS's budget and better than doubling the number of agents, and all for the intention of enforcement. And I'm sorry, ain't buying it. Well, this is about improving service. Somebody can answer your calls. Bullsh. That's grade A bovine excrement. Stop trying to shovel that manure on this, guys. We know better. And anybody that's doubting that, anybody that wants to believe them, anybody that wants to give them the benefit of the doubt, wake up! You've lost your ever-loving mind. There is no reason that we talked about it back in the first hour with Dr. Michael Bustler. Talked about, is there a reason for the average citizen to be concerned? And I'll reiterate my point when I brought it up. And that is, generally speaking, at least to this point, the IRS doesn't spend an awful lot of time targeting wealthy people. And it's not because wealthy people uh, aren't in a position where they cheat more or less than the average citizen. It's because they're in a much better position to defend themselves. They can afford the best lawyers. They can drag this stuff out for years and years, decades and decades in some cases. And quite often, they can win their case. They rely on the middle class and lower to not be able to defend themselves. That's going to have to be it for today, guys. And that's a good place to leave it. Otherwise, I'm going to start getting all wound up and all negative again. So just remember, don't take their word for it. Hey, don't take my word for it either. Go ahead, do your own research, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And meanwhile, one final message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. before I go. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon.
take under control is using both hands. Using both hands.